Okay, so this morning, I think just by way of what God has done through prayer, right? Through prayer. That's why, again, in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, you're going to see two places prayer is brought up. The Holy Spirit's doing it through Paul. In verses 18 and 19. Because once you have all the armor on, and that's how to think with Christ, is it not that we still need to have our own prayer life, but have others pray for us? Yes. And so the thought that I had this morning is in Ephesians 4 and verse 1. Remember we said yesterday, right? So to understand even in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2, that the truth of that, that's position. That's position. Chapters 1 and 2 are our position in Christ. We're heavenly people. Everything about us on the earth has to do with our heavenly position. Otherwise, we function like, the, like others that live on the earth apart from their heavenly position or apart from being in Christ or being born, saved or born again, which I believe Christians are, by the way, without any question about it. So... <laughs> I do. I have to make that clear because there's others that don't believe that. And, and uh, so they buy the lie. They don't do Proverbs 23, 23. They don't buy the truth they, and, and sell it not. Don't sell it out with our own thoughts. And that's what selling it out is. And that's why it says in Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, that the word of God did not come by the will of man. That's why it's so necessary for our wills to be submitted. So back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4, verse 1, it says, well, in 3, verse 1, again, chapters 1 and 2 are positional truth. It's truths that we know, right? Now, we can declare those without a personal, intimate experience with Christ. And that can be very frustrating, right? But when he gets into the personal, intimate things when he gets into intimacy now it's three verse one in ephesians i the prisoner of the lord he love you have to be captured experientially by the love of christ because when that happens then all that other truth in ephesians three all the way to the end of the chapter come out that's personal experience the third chapter Never saw it that way till this morning. It's That's the, really good. It's the it's very very intimate and personal for each individual. You see, you can't be my own intimacy with Christ, and I can't be yours, but we can share it. Yep. We can share Christ with each other, but it has to be intimate, because if it's only declarative knowledge, what I can declare. I mean, the unsaved can read the Bible and declare it, whether they agree with it or not. But unless it's experiential, is that fellowship. So fellowship, again, really is brought out in 1 John chapter 1. Now, the hyper-dispensationalists will say that's not for us. Truth of the matter is, in 1 John 1, 1 through 3, it's intimate fellowship with each individual there. There's no question about it. And then to have it together in, in the fourth verse. And then you see the flow of it. You see the flow of it in the fifth verse. God is light. 
That's understanding. It is. That's perception. That's the word. That's faith in it. God is light, and in him is what? No darkness at all. So are we located in him? Yes, we are. Then in who we are, is there any darkness? Nope. Has the darkness already passed for us in Christ in John 1, verse 5? Yes. Because he was the light that came in John, the gospel, 1, verse 9? Absolutely. He's the light that lights every man that comes into the world. Okay, and that's not Quakerism or the, the friends of Christ and that type of teaching where it says there is still some light. Even when man fell, there was still some light that, God, that Christ could light. It's not teaching that at all. It's teaching that Christ is the light that lights it up for every single person. He does it through creation, Psalm 19, 1 through 6, without any question about it. To lead us to the truth of the word in those in, in seven, right to the end of that chapter in Psalm 19. So very, very intimate. The truths that are ours positionally in chapters one and two of Ephesians are now to be personal, but are not until you're captured by love in your experience. Does the rest of that whole chapter come in? And then once you are personally that now you still have to be captured in Ephesians 4 verse 1 to function as the one church one mind one spirit one baptism one Lord of all then you follow that all the way through that's local assembly into a local assembly a local assembly is just part of the one church there's only one church Matthew 16 18 Christ said I will build it that was what which what, that was which Paul raised up through the heavenly Christ was to establish to to lay the foundation. The foundation was Christ Himself. It wasn't Paul, but he laid it in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10. And let every man be careful how they build thereon. That's thought life. That's thought life, how you do that. It's all Christ. You'll see that in 1 Corinthians 3:11. So Looking at the whole picture of this, we see there that we need to be captured, and God will keep us in, in a prisoner in 3.1 when we have a local assembly to be taught and held, held captive. And held in the sense of, in Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors because love has captured us. God is love, and he gave us his son, and the Son has given himself to us, presented himself to us to receive, and then we receive him when we do. Now we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Who's the seal? Ephesians 1, 13, 14. He's the seal, proof of ownership, proof that we're not our own, and God has never left us up to think on our own. <laughs> That's where all the struggles come from. We're trying to think on our own and bring the Word of God into it. And that just means, in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, there's confusion and not the order in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, which is the mind of Christ. That's God's order. It is the mind of Christ. So, being captured and being a prisoner now in a local assembly means I'm still being held by love. Now, if in Ephesians 4, verse 1, if I am not a prisoner of love, 
then in 416, can I be a joint that supplies? Can I be? No. 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 This all has to do with personal intimate love now being expressed as a joint that supplies to each member in the body yep. of Christ. Right? So we are more, we are much more, we're more than conquerors. Why? Because Christ has already conquered everything. You know, Hebrews 2.9, he tasted death for every man. And again, that's John 1.29. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, that propitiation that God has propitiated, so that now that God can offer his Son to whosoever will, can come freely and drink of the water of life in Revelations 22 and verse 17. You see it very clearly. This, all these truths that we have right now, all these truths, if you can't stop them from God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit teaching us that them, he's going to do everything he can once we're taught to affect the experience. That's why love we always, as we're taught by God, that love, it, uh, when we are loved by God, that's the, our only place of protection, safety, right? We're safe. We're in his hand. And that's why, since we are in his hand, in John 10, 28 and 29, and no one can tear us out of his hand, then it's very necessary for us, very necessary, in 1 Peter 5, 6, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That means he's for us. When God humbles us by trials in 1 Peter 1, 7 and Job 23 and verse 10, which is much more profitable for all eternity than gold will ever be. And when I make gold a priority in my life now, the material gold, then I lose the experience of God loving me. And when I lose that, when I lose that, am I a joint that supplies? No. Why? Because I haven't grown up yet in Christ. And the only way to do that is through submission. It's the only way to do it. Ephesians 4.15. <clears throat> to grow up into him. Otherwise, I'm just like a child. What are children like that are born again in Christ? But don't have teaching or don't submit to what they know. They're like a child tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. In other words, every thought projection that comes against them. You know, that's why that's why I called Mike last night. So I called him. Because he knows, I know we all know in, in measure, but that's who God had me to call. And that's usually when I'm going through something, which we all are going through, notice, through it. <laughs> going through it because he's a joint that could supply to me. And through prayer. And that's what makes prayer so very necessary. Because the enemy, and, and speaking of prayer, we need to understand it in the whole preponderance of the scriptures. So if you take uh, Daniel, the 10th chapter, and when Daniel was praying and didn't think that he was getting answered by God and the enemy trying to convince him of that, you're waiting on God and then the enemy comes in <clears throat> You know, and he starts the accusations, you know. Uh, you know, now God's not answering your prayer because you didn't do this, or you did do this, or you didn't do enough. 
<laughs> There's all the accusations coming in now. Because he deceived me in my thinking. Why? Because I wasn't protected experientially by the love of God through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when one goes down, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9, two are better than one, two are better than one, all by yourself. Sometimes we think, oh, we're going to overcome these things, we're not going to say anything. Well, yes, you should. You should pray. You, now, you should learn to, to who you should pray, who you should go to is very key. There's no question about that. Yeah. Who you should go to and who you should join others to pray for others. Hmm. That was an interesting one. <laughs> but that's what it is. So prayer places me in the place of humility and dependence upon God, and when I am, his love protects me. That's why Acts 6, 4, especially us, we're to give ourselves to what? Dependent. We're going to give ourselves to prayer. And that's why it says again in 1 Timothy 2, 8, I, I, will, will that, I wish that men, men, men there, masculine, men, Pray, right? Lift up holy hands. What's that mean? It's my experience that I'm truly holy because I've dealt with things that need to be dealt with in my life, obviously, through grace and through confession, first John 1, 9, but that I'm holy. I'm actually functioning in a proper experience based upon a proper position in Christ. Then I lift up holy hands. Is the enemy trying to convince me that I'm not? Well, I might not be experientially, but am I positionally? So does my behavior, my conduct, my thought life, is it equal to the position of who I am in Christ? Because if it's not, will I lift up holy hands? That means prayer. Will I even pray? What's the sense? What's the sense? Look at everything. What's the sense? Lift up holy hands without what? Wrath, angry. You know, we can say we're angry at God. Uh, I mean, circumstances, situations, people. Truthfully, you're just angry at God. Because if you actually believe you're the dot and God's a circle, then you have to be angry at him. Let's be honest about it. Yeah. You're angry at God. Yeah. You could do something about it, God, but you're not. Yeah. <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah. Teaching us humility. So Daniel prays in Daniel the 10th chapter. He prays, follow it through, right to the 13th, 14th, 15th verses there, starting in 10.1 in Daniel. And he prays. But the answer is what? The answer is what? Delayed. You experiencing any delays lately? And what are. What does God use the delays to teach us? That God resists pride in us. Oh, I can do it without him. I, I've done it for so long now. Yeah, but we forgot that he, he was the one that gave us all that. Somehow we forgot it and we, took the, we started taking credit for it. And then we started looking to others for that credit. 21 days he had to wait. Three weeks. Three weeks. And then what was it said? 
There was spiritual warfare going on there. Spiritual warfare was going on. Just like we are right now in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, right to verse 19. And in those last two verses, 18 and 19, it's about prayer. Because you can put all that armor on and have it and understand it. Right? But without prayer, even with that armor, do you go forward? Are you a joint that supplies? You know, a joint that watch this, a joint that supplies in Ephesians 4 and verse 16 is one who supplied individually. <laughs> he has to give. And that means our life is not just living to ourselves, it's to the body. You want to say, I want to know you, Lord, and I want to live for you. Okay, then what's the greatest thing in his mind, the thing that's most intimate and most precious to him? It's his body. It's those members where you are. It's those members where you are. And that's what makes prayer so extremely, so extremely vital and so extremely uh, personal. It's to be that. Because prayer always teaches us dependence. I will. I wish that men everywhere lift up holy hands without wrath. And what is the uh, what is the what is the determining factor there of wrath? It's doubting. It's doubting. I doubt it. What do you doubt it? I doubt it based upon what I see and how I interpret things through my own thoughts. And you doubt. <laughs> Again, Romans 14, 22. Happy is the man that condemns not himself. Well, who is that man? That's the man in Christ in Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation. Yep. Even when I fail in sin, is God condemning me? No. But he'll use it to correct me when I refuse grace. And in Jeremiah 2 and verse 19, he allows my own backsliding to correct me. And sooner or later in Numbers 32, 23, my sin will find me out. In other words, it's just pride. He's going to find it out in me. Not to condemn me, but to convince me by his love so I don't function like the world. And that's 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. He convinces me and, and implements chastisement so I won't be condemned. That's right. And what is... What condemned the enemy? Satan. What was it? Pride. That's what he's dealing with us. Not accusing us or condemning us, but training us in every area because the pride is so insidious, it's so subtle. Genesis 3, 1, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. The enemy's so subtle, and pride in us is so subtle. And boy, if he gave us things when we thought we needed them and when we wanted them and, and pride hadn't been dealt with in us, we would just use it and keep ourselves in our own little prideful world, never being a joint that supplies in a local assembly. Everything about us, everything about us individually is the fact that we are one body. We've been all baptized into one body, it says. Boy, would that do away with all these uh, denominations, Presbyterianism, Congregationalism, Wesleyanism, Baptists, all this nonsense. It's one body, First Corinthians. We have all been baptized by one spirit into one body, First Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. There's no question about that. All members in particular, 
in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. But if he's made me a member in particular, in, in a certain location, because we all can't meet at once, then has he given me that that he can supply me with, and was it just for me or to supply the local assembly where I am? To think that I can have a natural family somehow when I go home and still be separate from the body. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. To separate that family from a local assembly, then what am I? I'm just natural. Because that's how the world lives. They take care of their own and that's it. Is that how it is in the body? Nope. If I live to Christ, I live for him, which is most precious to him. That includes me, but it includes his body, his local assembly. No question about it. And that's what he's training us. Because pride is the thing that gets in the way. It is. And that's what he's taking out of us. And he's doing it by causing us to be absolutely dependent on him. And in every area. Now, we, we've been taught this. All of us have been taught this together. That's the joy that I love. We're all taught together. And in that measure that we are, we all have Christ to give to each other. It's not just one person ahead of everybody. It's Christ who's the head of the body. Isn't that wonderful? That mind and that life flows to all the body. It's very, very good and very true principle. You know. So we all have that. So if I'm a supply, if Christ is supplying me, and he has through Christ, then he's given me a supply for others. That's a privilege. That's why I believe in John 10, 10, A, the A part is the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. How? Through thought projections, lies. How I view my circumstances and situations separated from the fact that God is using them to train me of who I am in Christ and who he is in me. So, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but separated from that, positionally, Christ came that we might have what? Life. That's individual. But to have it is to have it with each other, and that's more abundantly. So you have a portion in a local assembly to give to me. It is mine, but to have it taught and understood, I must receive it. But it's still coming from the same source, is it not? Christ flowing in every member of the body. And every member having its proper place. Boy, it's so, it's so incredible. So again, thank God that we have all of these truths. And these truths are ours in Christ because Christ is in me. And can any take me out of his hand? Again, John 10, 28 and 29. Who can take me, tear me now out of Christ's hand? Who can do that? Well, read Romans 8, 31 to 39. And those 13, 14 different things. Can they separate me? In all reality, can they? Nope. So if none can tear me out of his hand, right? And who is God's hand? Isn't it Christ? Yeah. Isn't it? It is. Yeah, without a question about it. Is his hand shortened that it can't save? And his arm so weak that it can't. And that's Christ. That's, not, that's Isaiah 51 and 2. But in principle, this is the truth. So can any take me, tear me out of his hand? 
out of his care, out of his love. Can that happen? As far as God's concerned, can anyone do that? Who's stronger than God? Did not Christ bind the strong man and spoil all his goods? Yeah, he most certainly did. You see that in Matthew, the 12th chapter. Look at verse 29 and 30. You see it there clearly. But that's why he that is with me is not against me. But he, he, he that is not with me is against me. But he, he that is, he what? You either get scattered, scattered thoughts, or the one thought to draw others to Christ. He that is not with me is against me. And he, he, he that what? What does it say? He what? Right. You get scattered in your thinking. And are you a joint any longer that supplies? It, positionally you are, but is that your experience? So can any take me out of his hand? You tell me. What circumstance, situation, what tri The trial is proof that he's there. That's right. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7. It's proof that we see the God that's invisible to the world, but we make visible through our dependence upon him. That's 1 Peter 1, 8. Whom having not seen, you love. Meaning you trust him. Well, do you see yet what he has for you? No. Do you still believe him for it? Do you? Or is there wrath and doubting coming in now? And where does that thinking come from? That's what makes it necessary then if we are in the hand of God, to continually be humbled under the mighty hand of God, that he can continually exalt us. In what? Due time. Due time. God's appointed time. Not what I think, not what I say, but in patience waiting upon him. Again, we've said it before. So humble yourself. And the, and the fact that God is humbling is the very fact that he's for me. Because that's training. That's discipline. That's chastisement. All of it is the activity of God's love through grace. Every single bit of it is what it is. And it's teaching us that. God is for me. No matter what the circumstance, the situation is. And by the way, they were all designed by God. All those afflictions were, were really weighed by the love and wisdom of God before they ever came to me as part of his plan for me. That's why it says in, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. What are they? They're thoughts of peace. Who is that peace? Christ. They're thoughts of peace and not evil. To, so that we can experience his settled plans for us. Well, when were those settled? When did he weigh everything and see every single thing that you and I individually would face? When did he see all of that? And have a plan for it. You know, we face things, the same things that the world face. But we don't face them without him. They do, and that's why their circumstances and situations become their guide. But so do, so do they become mine when I don't have the mind of Christ. When I don't have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16 then am I sufficient for anything in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 16? No, and I lack the sufficiency of a proper experience about who Christ is. And when, I, when that happens, it's because I'm functioning again 
in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, the natural man receives not. No, I'm not going to receive the grace to wait on you because God has to give us the grace to do it. But when I refuse it, then what? Do I lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting? Nope. So guess what becomes the counsel? Not God's love, but wrath and doubting becomes my counsel. And that's what I have to counsel other Christians with. And am I a supply? Terrible, right? Terrible. But the whole time that I even live there is God against me because I'm positioned in Christ. No. So who's opposing me? In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 25. The enemy's convincing me that it's God or it's this person or it's that circumstance. But the truth of the matter is, who does the enemy get me opposing myself he, that's who he gets me. He, pose, he gets me to oppose myself and my experience. But is that a proper experience? Nope. You know, because everything about us is on this earth, isn't it? The details of life. How much money I have. You know? How, how, how I have everything set. Now I can be happy and express Christ. Help us, right? Heaven and earth will pass away. I, 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 but my word in, in uh, Matthew 24, 35 and Isaiah 40, verse 8 will not pass away. Everything else. Did, and I thought of it again this morning as I was looking at things. I happened to be in the bathroom like we have to start out in the morning because if we don't, we don't want to show up. Don't we that way? <laughs> you know? You know? But the fact is, I was in the bathroom, I was looking, I was looking, and my wife has her earrings, and she has these different things, and some, some jewelry things, and all that, you know, and I'm looking at things, and I'm looking at my, looking at the ring, and I'm looking at things, and did you know, and did I know, that all that material things that we see, you know, what, what's behind, supposedly, what's behind the dollar? Do you know the dollar was just a note? So it was like a promissory note because there was something backing it up. People couldn't carry around gold, big bags of gold all the time. So that's when they started making money. These is a promissory note. What's behind it is gold. I start looking at all this. Where did it all come from? Everything material came from where? Came from the earth. The earth. And guess where it's all going to return? To the earth. To the earth. Even our old bodies, dust, is going to return to the earth. We're going to get new ones, thank God, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. We're going to get these new bodies, definitely. In Revelations 3, verses uh, 4 and 5, yes. You know, that's what it means, walking in white. We have these glorified bodies, definitely. But for now, in this tabernacle, we groan. <laughs> waiting, waiting waiting to, to get our glorified bodies in, in Christ in himself in the most perfect intense way in his human nature not his sin nature groaned but even his groaning you know what it was for for others it was the source of his groaning was for others literally and God can use the groaning of our physical bodies 
so that we become comforters for others. There's no question about it. So if you're ever wondering why the pain and all this, you know, well, God uses it tremendously. He can. Now, the enemy can, can come in and say, you can escape it, and he'll give you all those ways and all those drugs and alcohol and whatever he can get you to escape it, but all you're doing is masking it. It's not taking it away. It's not taking it away. Nope. It's just masking it, you know? I don't know how we got on that one, but we did. <laughs> so, these are just some of the thoughts, you know, and God bringing me back to these thoughts. I mean, everything is going to go back, but the only thing we take off of here is Christ in us. Because everything else is what? At the Bema seat, it's going to be revealed as what? It's either gold, the deity of Christ, silver, that redeeming us, which was Christ alone, that's what it's teaching us. And then we have all the precious stones. The precious stones there is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the yeah. fruits of Christ. That's brought out in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That's the fruit. That's what it is. But that's all we take off this earth. Did you notice when people die, they take anything with them? You know your loved ones, did they take anything with them or did they leave it for others? What are we leaving for others? What are we going to leave for our family? Is it just a bank account? Is it money to set them up on the earth? And I believe in that. I believe that's in, in God. That's a responsibility, putting Christ first and being led by him. Yes. But is that all we leave? Oof. No. You know. So, you know, we have so much. Any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, that's awesome. You, you know, you said something, you know, that boy, I'll tell you, that just sobered me. Oof. You said, we face the same thing the world faces, but we face them, we face him, face those things with him. And they face him without him. And do and do I turn away my face from him based upon what I go through as a believer? Mm. And if that doesn't give you a heart for that, whew. yeah, you you always say we said this last night. <clears throat> it's okay to be alone with him, but it's not okay to be lonely. We never no because it's not a proper position or a proper experience. Right. I'm all alone. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Why do you think you have a body, a local assembly? Well, no, let me keep these things in myself and overcome them. Yeah, have fun with that one. He's not going to allow you to do it. Every yeah. joint supplies. That's right. I'm going to keep it secret. I'm not going to tell people. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. All right. Yeah, okay. He's yeah, with us through everything, really, by the way. Too. Really he intercedes good. for us. You know, and we have fun. As you said today, that was really good is due time, you know, really is, understanding due time. Is that, okay, so Daniel, the 10th chapter, first 13 verses, due yeah, time, Genesis cool, yeah. eighteen fourteen. Yeah. So you'll have a son. Sarah, you're going to have a son. She mocks and laughs at God. Yeah. Ah, he doesn't see, he doesn't see my circumstance. 
He, he doesn't see my body now dead, way past age to bear a child. Yeah, see, God doesn't see it. Yeah, I know he doesn't. Really? You mean he doesn't see like you do? He doesn't see That's like right. I am seeing right now in doubt, yeah, yeah. in fear, right. looking at myself for God to have some help and some hope in me. Yeah. Yeah. Is anything too hard for God? And no, but it will return unto you at God's set time, and Sarah will have a son. There's times when you're going to experience the life that, that Christ is in you. But first you must decrease so that the increase, there's more room made for the increase in John 3.30. And, and can a man receive, and that's John 3.27. Isn't that grace? Can a man receive, and who does he give the grace to, to receive? To those that he's what? Humble, okay. corrected with his love, to exalt them in 1 Peter 5.6. John 3.27, John 3.30. There's no question about it. Now, does the enemy like this? Who, get, who cares? Yeah, that's for sure. Who cares? Did you know that, again, we have already been justified? Positionally, we've been cleared of all guilt and condemnation. That is over. But if that's all I had, could the enemy still affect me? Yeah. But we also have resurrection life. And in resurrection life, the enemy can't touch us experientially. Why? Because death, the death of Christ and mine in him, ended it for Satan. He has no place in resurrection life. He has no place in it. That's what God is exalting us. He can exalt us because we do have that resurrection life. In 1 Peter 5, 6. Then we cast. We don't hold on to them. And that means at prayer at times. We don't hold on to them, you know. Well, it's just me and Jesus. We're going to figure this out. Okay. And there are times maybe that's true, but it's never without prayer in one form or another. Whether it's for yourself or supplication and prayers and petitions for others. See that in Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8. In that progression... You see that? Yeah. Because if I don't, if, if, if that's not true, God hasn't humbled me to exalt me in my present condition, what I am in my position in Christ. If that not happen, if it doesn't, do I cast all my anxious thoughts on him? Where should we bring anxious thoughts? Where should we bring them? Who can deal with them? You have to bring them. Acts 6, 4. I'll give myself to prayer. It's very personal, very intimate. So, bring it out again, and we'll close with this. We bring it out again. In 1 Peter 5, uh, cast all your care upon him, because he cares for me. No, he doesn't. Because if, I, because if he did, he would do this when I, when I think I need it right now. Yeah. Yeah, so we're in our own care. <laughs> we're in our own thoughts. Yeah. As long as I'm in my own thoughts, I'm in my own care. And whose care am I really under experientially? 
Cast yeah. all your anxious thoughts on him because he does care for you. Because if you don't, the devil roams about seeking whom he may devour. How does he devour us? Why do we have to thought life? Why do we have to keep the shield up to quench all the fiery missiles? What are all the fiery missiles? Thoughts that we get consumed with. Yeah. Right? And so because we have an adversary, the devil, and he walks about as a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, looking for someone. Did you ever see even like like a cat, like a small cat? You know what they do? Even before they devour their prey at times, they play with it. That's what Satan wants to do. He plays with this, with these thoughts. You ever see the cat? It bats it around. It's playing with it. That's the enemy, the roaring lion. He likes to bat it around, and he likes to rip it to shreds and swallow it down whole. That's John 10, 10 a. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does with thoughts. Yep. Thank God for what we have. Amen. Again, I, I, I firmly believe this in my circumstances and, and in yours, whoever's listening. I really firmly believe this. You are so close For the first most important thing about us is not how God's going to use us. He can't use us effectively unless it's experiential, intimate fellowship. That's yeah. first and foremost. That's yeah. number one. But then I do believe we are so close, and that's when the enemy comes in like a flood. In Isaiah 59, 19. Not if, but when the enemy comes in like a flood. Flood with what? All these thought projections and all this evil thoughts and then he wants to make me the source of communicating them to others instead of being a joint that supplies boy he comes in that then the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard against him and who is our, who's our standard our only way of thinking properly it's the mind of christ first corinthians 2 and verse 16 did you know we have each of us individually the mind of christ you need to be taught how to function in it. Again, that's local assembly, you know, and just being taught. And it simply means this. Does it mean that the like does it mean that Mike's the only the only pastor in Burleson? You mean he can't come here and be a gift? Of course he can. It's not one man over a local assembly. I mean I can't go others? Of course no, it's one body. Not one special separate little formation of a church. It's not that at all. Jeez. We can be joints that supplies. I mean, I'm over, you know, in any way. Am I over Mike or is he over me? You know, we're all under Christ. And we're joints that supply. I mean, he can, he can only preach and teach the word of God there. Well, is this not the body of Christ here? Yes. And did he not give pastors and teachers for the body of Christ? Yes. But just limited to one area? Oh, you will if you're a denomination. Yeah, that's right. You will if that's the case. We're all, we all have a gift. Yeah. We all have the gift, Christ in us. And when we're submitted to him, then the gift that he has for me to function in for others, for his glory, my blessing, and theirs, is when I'm submitted to the head. That's Ephesians 4.8.
God resists the proud. I don't need anybody. But I'm not going to do I mean, you, you have this provision and you won't do it? Nope. I'm going to trust God and wait. Oh, really? Really? Oh, aren't you something? Wouldn't I be something? Yeah, in our own thought life. God resists the proud in James 4, 6, but he gives more grace, greater grace, to those that he's humble. Now, when you're humble, that brings you, gives you the grace to what? Submit yourself to God. Can I do that apart from grace? Apart from the mind of Christ? Apart from submission of the will? No, can't do it. Submit yourself, therefore, to God, then you resist the devil. Who resists the devil? Just me? No, Christ in me. Because when he sees Christ in my experience, you think he's going to have any victory there? Nope. Not happening. Not happening. Not going to happen. So, I'm glad we have these thoughts. I'm glad some people finally, you know, recorded this.